Welcome back to another episode of the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. I hope you're having a pleasant day. Hope everyone is not tilting hard with all the player news of, of NFL players opting out for this upcoming season. I think it's only going to accelerate from here. But before we get into that, got to introduce my co-host, Jake Trowbridge. How are you doing, sir? I'm here. I'm here and I'm not tilting. I'm doing I'm doing my very best to not tilt. Right good. Now. That's and good. So far, it has been successful for this first opening 30 seconds. It has been successful. I cannot guarantee it will continue throughout the end. Well, this is true because you never know what sort of news is going to be breaking in when. So uh, hopefully good. not. Hopefully not. Hopefully uh, we'll get through this episode unscathed here. Uh, but we'll see. Tonight's episode, we will though. See. In fact, the only thing left to do, see. Better words have never been spoken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if worse words have been spoken, if I'm being honest. But uh, regardless, actually, you know what? I think we're going to have worse words spoken uh, coming up throughout this episode. Do you want to describe what this beautiful episode is all about? Yeah, this is going to be a great episode. This is our Bold Predictions episode. It is our one episode of the year where we put in minimal research for what we're going to say, as opposed to all the other weeks. And uh, we, we kind of go off off the board a little bit and and, and talk about some, some crazy things that are within the realm of possibility of happening. We're not talking about here hot takes. And, and coming up right. with and coming up with just bold bold takes just to be bold and, and make you know Twitter headlines here. We are within the realm of possibility with these bold predictions. Yeah, there's a line in the sand here between hot takes and bold predictions. Okay, bold predictions is just it's a little bit like I said, it's outside the norm. It's not stupid. We don't do stupid hot takes here. No, we're not stupid. At least by our own definition. That's right. That's right. Uh, but before we get into that, Jake, what are you drinking? Tonight, I am drinking an Indeed Brewing Mexican Honey Imperial Lager. Nice. It's a it's a big guy. It's a big guy in a big can, and it comes in at a hefty 8%. Oh, that is a very hefty beer. It's and a bold beer for a bold predictions episode. It is indeed an Imperial, you would say? Oh my uh, goodness. Did you see what you I did there? You all of the words in the past. Is your beer equally bold, Dustin? It is not equally as bold. I have a beer from Blacklist Brewing. It's their Raz. It is a it's a wit ale brewed with spices and raspberries, coming in at six percent. Oh, and I didn't even realize this when I bought it. Right out of Duluth, Minnesota. What up, Duluth? You are. I feel like you've been about Duluth beers here this last couple of months, or maybe I'm actually. You know, I could have been as well. Now that I'm recollecting correctly, you're, you're seeing them more and more. But ah, I didn't even realize. It makes me very happy seeing as how I call Duluth home for seven years. So uh, I like this. This is a very tasty beer. Tasty, tasty like our. <laughs> Hit us up, Jake. Uh, I, I, I don't know how tasty this is. Um, depends on your perspective and which side of the trade you fell on, I suppose. This one comes from Destin Dynamite, at Destin Dynamite on Twitter. So here's the preface. Mm-hmm. Redraft League, one QB, 20-teamer, though, PPR. I know. Big, big, big team. Everything is big on this episode. Even the drunk trade got bigger by extension. <laughs> so he said, some dude wanted Patty. That is Pat Mahomes for the layperson. I was wasted. I sent him an offer for Aaron Rodgers, Cooper Cup, and all $73 of his remaining fab. He took it. I woke up the next day and felt bad, so I traded him back, but kept $10 in fab for him being a drunken idiot. So there's layers this trade. There's all, this is an onion of a trade that we're going to have to peel back here. It really is. So first of all, in a 20-team league... Correct me if I'm wrong, I've not played in a 20-team league, but I have played in 10-team leagues. So in 10-team leagues, the goal is to get the top-tier guys. Mm-hmm. It's not as much about death, right? Because there's just more people out on the waiver wire. It's easier. On a 20-team, I feel like you really need depth. Would, would you agree with me up to this point? I would think, yes, depth would be important. Okay. So the gentleman who submitted this trade who had Patrick Mahomes, was probably thinking along those lines. Um, 
when he sent the offer of Aaron Rodgers, or excuse me, he sent the offer to get Aaron Rodgers, Cooper Cup, and some fab. Mm-hmm. That's my assumption. You're leveling up. He and to be fair, he didn't specify what time uh, of year this was. I don't know if this was heading into his quote unquote rookie season, which was actually his sophomore season. Right. That's what I'm assuming here. But if you're sending Pat Mahomes for Aaron Rodgers and Cooper Cup and seventy three dollars of fab at that time, probably feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so now, put your shoes in in. Uh, put yourself in the shoes of the drunk person and them drunk sneakers. So you wake up the next day, you, Dustin, you say, holy shit, I really wanted Patrick Mahomes. I didn't mean to give up Aaron Rodgers, Cooper Cup, all of my remaining fab. I feel like an asshole. I really wish I could undo this. And then you get it undone. How, what is the, what is the high and low of that trade where you are constantly super bummed and then you go back to being super excited that the guy lets you reverse it. And then you go back to being super bummed because you're a fucking idiot who, <laughs> who undid the trade to get Patrick Mahomes. I just don't even know where to go with this one. Uh, like you said, so many fucking layers on this one. I just, I don't even know. Um, and then Onion, I think, is an appropriate analogy because you know that there were tears. Oh, this. definitely tears. It was very nice of the guy to trade it back. I will say, even with the punishment of ten the ten dollars fab, that's the minimum that should have happened. That's <laughs> that's right, and that's good karma. It is. See, do nice things, and mm-hmm. this was a very nice thing to undo the trade. And then the guy ultimately ended up with Pat Mahomes. I don't care if it's a one QB league in a twenty team league. Like, still, we can't replace Patrick Mahomes. So no, congratulations. Nice people get nice rewards. I think that's the lesson that we learned from this. That's right. That is right. So, are we done with this? Do you have any other comments on our drunk trade here? I'm done with this. I don't want to belabor the point anymore. All right, because you snuck something in on the show sheet here that Mm -hmm. I want to talk about because I knew nothing of it until you you threw it on me 30 seconds before we uh, went live here. So, uh dealing with one of the players in our drunk trade and us being Packers homers, I think it is appropriate we talk about this for a couple minutes. Uh, so, all it says here, talk about Aaron Rodgers' comments about Packers draft. So, why don't you lay it on our listeners, what exactly did Aaron Rodgers say? First of all, I am floored that you have not seen this yet. As a good, diligent Packers homer, this came out yesterday. And I'm shocked that you haven't uh, seen this interview. So Aaron Rodgers had an interview with Kyle Brandt on his uh, his show. And he was being interviewed about the draft. Mm -hmm. Because really, so Aaron has not talked a ton about the draft. He's been very uh, kind and courteous in the things that he said to this point. And you can tell it's been very tempered and even keeled because that's what he does. That's who he is. Mm -hmm. This was very insightful. So he was asked on his reactions to the draft, and and Aaron kept saying, I was surprised, thinking about the receivers that were there, and that could have been there. He mentioned people like Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk. None by name, by the way. He would just say that kid, and then from whatever college. Mm -hmm. It was almost like it was too painful to actually call him out by name. But he talked about how obviously it was a surprise when they traded up to draft Jordan Love and how that signified to him, basically, this is paraphrasing, but, you know, I wanted to play my entire career in Green Bay. And the assumption now is that he won't. So it was subtle still because Aaron never came right out and said, look, I'm out at such and such dates. Mm -hmm. But it's very clear that he doesn't anticipate being there very long at this point. And the assumption is that he will be kind of forced out. Because they asked, when do you think Jordan's going to play? He can't afford to sit there like you did, basically. When you are drafted and sit for three years behind far, because that's not how the NFL works anymore. Mm-hmm. So Aaron was very quick to express that, uh, that realization and how he understood. And he was very, again, very Joe Cool about it. Um, but it, it was disconcerting. <laughs> because also, here's my thought. If there is no 2020 season, or if he opts out, mm-hmm. we might have seen the last Aaron Rodgers throw in a Packers unit. I don't think so. And here's why. I pulled up Spoltrack, 
uh, to see his contract details. So this year he has a dead cap hit of $51 million. So uh, sure. he, he, he's I, I, the Packers aren't going to trade him or cut him until after maybe the 2021 season, 2022 season, maybe. Uh, that's when the cap hit gets a little bit more manageable. But could he walk away? I don't think he's just going to retire. Uh, that That is not Rodgers' M.O. by any means. He has too big a chip on his shoulder and too much pride. Uh, I, I think maybe he could try to force a trade, but, I mean, you're going to be... I mean, there there's a... There is a lot of salary tied up here that a lot of teams, I don't know that they can afford it. And he's and he's going to want to go to a contender. He's just not going to want to go somewhere just to play out the last couple of years of his career. So those well, are How my many thoughts. contenders do you suspect would be in the market for an Aaron Rodgers of the world? Because there are just not there are not that many teams that right now could look at their roster and say my team would not be better in the immediate future with Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position. And if Aaron's already acknowledging that Jordan Love is, is likely going to get the nod sooner than later, and by that I mean before Aaron's contract runs out, because mm-hmm. that's my interpretation of it. And I could be way off with that, by the way. But that's what I'm interpreting as. And so if he's already in that mindset, and there have to be, how, how I would say, let's put the over-under at five and a half teams that would trade for Aaron in an instant. Am I am I crazy? Would you take the under on that? I think a lot of teams would be interested. I just don't know that they would have the cap space to work it out, especially after this season where there's talk that the cap could actually go down compared <laughs> to what it is now. And, and I know teams have been banking on the salary cap to progressively increase by $10 million or so every season uh, since the new uh, TV contracts and the CBA and everything were approved. The cap has just been going up. So if they're actually talking that it's going down because revenues could be going down, I, I don't know that teams could, could take... There's not a lot of teams that can take that out. That's a good point. Uh, I, I do actually appreciate that point because the first team that came to mind when we're talking about this was the Raiders for me. Like, you know that John Gruden would love to have him some Aaron, and he makes no bones about just basically being an all all vets team, like mm-hmm. he just loves old dudes. So if anybody was going to go after Aaron Rodgers, it would be a team like the Raiders. But you're right. I, I was looking through the cap numbers, and they don't they don't got it. Like they're they're pretty much lowest on the totem pole or in the bottom five for that. The only person who has cap space that I thought maybe could could do something like that is the Titans. They're in the top five for cap space allowed. I know that they don't. They run a similar system to what LaFleur wants to run right now, which could maybe not gel again mm-hmm. with Aaron. But if he's already getting used to the system, just maybe, maybe they make a move like that. I don't know. I don't want to see it. And our friend Sam Wallace here in the, in the chat um, talking about the interview uh, and, the, and the candidness of the interview, which I also appreciated. But Sam believes it's going to go elsewhere in 2020, uh, 2021 and set the league on fire. And I kind of agree, <laughs> but I don't want to, obviously. Behind me here is the old Packers shawl hanging on the wall. I don't want to see it, but it's, it made me nervous. No, I don't want to see that either by any stretch of the imagination. But could it happen? Yeah, I mean, anything can happen. If he's going to... I know we won't see any sort of hate and discontent from Aaron Rodgers publicly. It's all going to be a behind-the-scenes thing because he is not the big out-in-the-public speaker that, uh, you know, like, like other players are. Could he be causing friction in the locker room? You know, if things aren't going well and things like that, sure, maybe. Then maybe it would kind of force the hand for a trade. I sure hope it doesn't happen, though. I don't want to see him play for anyone else. I don't want to repeat a Brett Favre, let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm not emotionally strong enough to go through that. But I feel like if I start preparing myself now mentally, it'll just be easier. And that's I think that's why I'm falling on the side of he's going to go somewhere. Because then if he doesn't, then it's a pleasant surprise to me rather than a true heartbreaker. where I, I expected him to hang on, and then he ends up with so, That's right. Uh, it's, ju- it's just different ways of dealing with this emotional stress, I think, is what we have. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> but all right, that's enough Roger's talk. I think we can also deal with some emotional stress by talking about our bold predictions. I mean, yeah, I think so, too. Do you want to uh, start us off here? Sure. I, I would be happy to. 
So, I I don't know about you, Dustin, but when I was trying to come up with these bowl predictions, and we're going to break them down by position. So mm-hmm. we've got one for, for all the big four here uh, to talk about, which is, which is how we rolled last year. But when I was coming up with these, quarterback was actually the toughest to come up with a bold prediction. I found that, too. I, yeah, I really did. It, I, I struggled with it. It's like, it's not that I expect everything to just be pat, you know, from last year or according to ADP this year. Uh, my own rankings have some some interesting notes in there, like Matt Ryan I have as a QB3. But the thing is, I, I don't think that that's actually that bold. And so I felt weird putting it in the space as such. So instead, I kind of re-upped on my bold predictions from last year. I noticed this. <laughs> Did you? Oh, I'm so transparent. So last offseason, for those who were not listening or don't recall, because why would you? That was a long time ago. Um, but for last offseason, I had talked about expecting Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen to light the world on fire with their rushing. Mm-hmm. Not even with, I didn't mention their passing. I don't believe at all. However, I did say that they would rush for an absurd uh, amount of yards and an absurd amount of touchdowns, which I felt was very bold at the time, and they blew my prediction away. But rather than just lean on that again, I'm gonna, I added a wrinkle to it for this year. So this year, I believe Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Kyler Murray will collectively rush for 2,500 yards plus and 25-plus rushing touchdowns. So, three quarterbacks hitting 2,500 yards. It's absurd. I get it. But Lamar Jackson himself rushed for 1,200 yards this mm-hmm. year. Um, and I was surprised because it didn't feel like this, but Kyler Murray ran for about 550 yards himself mm-hmm. and didn't really start to get to do that until later on in the season. So that was interesting. And Josh Allen across the 500 mark himself. So really, I'm just expecting each of them to take a little tiny baby step forward in the rushing. And I nearly put down 3,000 yards rushing. And I still now think that... that would have been bold. I still think that that's very within the realm of possibility. And my thought was, so these guys are already rushing main mass. With COVID and the possible quarantining process, if any of these guys loses their primary wide receiver or tight end, whatever their main target is for a substantial amount of time, we talk a lot about replaceability, and running backs are fairly replaceable. Wide receivers are not. Wide receivers, it's difficult to just shoehorn a guy in there and expect him to come in and and fill the gap. Mm -hmm. You know, if you lose, let's say hypothetically that Josh Allen loses Stephon Diggs, and he just gets used to him, well, you can't just expect another dude to come up and fill Stephon Diggs' role perfectly. Like, that's just not an option. And so rather than forcing the ball to some of these second-tier guys, I think that we could just see a lot more tuck and run from the QBs or more design runs from the QBs. Mm-hmm. I mean, more designed runs in general, probably. Like, I'm sure the, the running game would just get a notch up in that case, but I could definitely see a world where 3,000 yards amongst these guys is actually not super outrageous given those circumstances. So that's where I'm coming from with that. And with the touchdown, I mean, between these three guys last year, Again, Lamar, seven rushing TDs. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen, nine rushing TDs. Kyler put up four. I can easily see that number going up for him. So we're already at 20, throwing an extra few, and, and I feel like that's that's doable. It's doable, definitely. Uh, I think that's interesting. I, I don't necessarily disagree with this bold prediction from you, although I do see Lamar regressing a little bit with his rushing. Again, like you said, caveat is none of his main weapons get taken out because of COVID or uh, injury, things like that. Like, uh, assuming everything stays the same, I, I was expecting him to take a little bit of a step back. And I'm not saying that, you know, cut his rushing in half or anything outrageous like that. But I was expecting a little bit of regression just because they were so hyper efficient on offense last year. But on the flip side, I do see Kyler taking another step forward this season. So maybe that'll balance that out. So I actually don't mind that all that much. 
Nice, nice. Yeah. And again, the official one is 25 because I could not get myself to forcibly type 3,000 yards for this. <laughs> because you know, while it's within the realm of possibilities, certainly I don't expect that. But I, mm-hmm. I kind of think that the 25 and 25 gap. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. What is your quarterback boldness here? So mine is that Kirk Cousins will be the highest finishing quarterback in the NFC North. So he's going to do. Don't like it. I don't like it either, but it is what it is. So he's going to finish better than Rodgers. He's going to finish better than Stafford, and the Bears just don't count because let's be honest, those, <laughs> well, those quarterbacks are going to be splitting time, so they're not going to have an opportunity to score the points. But here's why I think Cousins is going to be the best quarterback in the NFC North. And believe me, I'm not saying that because he's the best quarterback, it turns into more wins or uh, a better playoff run for the Vikings or anything like that. I'm just saying he's going to be the highest point scorer for fantasy in the NFC North. So uh, last year, he had his highest touchdown percentage, but also threw for the lowest attempts of his career, which I thought was interesting. I'm expecting his attempts to go up. Uh, He was down almost, it was like 75 attempts last season compared to what he had the season before. Now, I know the Vikings went a little bit more run heavy, and that was kind of by design. But I don't know. I just just feel like that's going to regress back up a little bit uh, and increase as opposed to last year. Now, everyone, everyone else in the division, Green Bay, they had a ridiculous amount of touchdown passes to the running backs last season with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I think those will shift more to actual rushing touchdowns as opposed to the passing touchdowns. So I see that happening. Uh, And Green Bay in general is just moving towards a more run-focused offense. I think there's no doubt about it. Drafting A.J. Dillon in the second round, you know, with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. I mean, they're making it very obvious, you know, LaFleur wants to run an offense like he had in Tennessee with Derrick Henry not saying that any of our running backs are Derrick Henry-esque, but he, he wants to ground and pound a little bit more. So that's going to take away a lot of the, not a lot, it's going to take away attempts from Rodgers. And I have already talked about Rodgers and how I feel like his best days are behind him as a quarterback, fantasy-wise. He's still a very that's good great. real-life we quarterback. We talked about Rodgers and Cousins, in fact, on last episode, mm-hmm. where we were talking sleepers and butts, and they mm-hmm. both fell into the bust category. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm so, uh, I'm hurt that you're putting Kirk here. But, but it, it hurts me. And then finally, with Detroit, uh, you know, I loved Stafford last season. He started off just on fire before he got injured. Like, he was top four quarterback for the first half of the season. That was because they didn't have a running game. Ann Johnson was injured. And now this season, they got Swift there. Ann should be healthy. Patricia wants to run the ball. He, he comes from that New England, you know, let's run the ball. And then, you know, he's play-action pass off of that. So I see Detroit running the ball more and not having Stafford throw quite so much. And historically, Daryl Bevel has not been a pass-heavy offensive coordinator either. I think last year was a little bit of an anomaly. So Stafford's stats will be coming down as well this year. So that's why I think Kirk Cousins is going to be the best fantasy quarterback in the NFC North. That's very interesting. I I was ready to uh, unfriend you from all social media platforms. I was ready to uh, actually storm out of this room at one point uh, when you started talking about this. But actually, I can give you some semblance of merit here. And I actually did feel a little dumb for putting Kirk as a bus candidate in, in retrospect based on what you're talking about um, because I think I put too much emphasis on the lack of weapons that are there. Mm-hmm. Because when I went back and looked to your point about what Kirk has done historically with bad, bad receiving options, mm-hmm. it has always been steady and fantasy relevant. So I'm willing to concede that he will be fantasy relevant, but I cannot get on board with him as the guy. But your Stafford point actually really made me think, too, because I forgot that they... I mean, who were their running back options even when Carry On was was down? I cannot think of one off the top of my head, which is Ty bad. Johnson. Oh God, that's right. That was the Ty Johnson waiver. <laughs> yes, he had that's he had right. his one okay week, and then everybody rushed to pick him up, and then he did nothing yeah. else. 
that's where all my waiver money went uh, last year when I invested like an asshole in Todd Johnson. Yeah, you know, and everybody, they just, they want to black that out because it was just bad, bad news all around. It was painful. It so, was. I don't believe that. All right, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Let's move on to running backs. Yeah, here. let's do it. Here's something interesting that I know that these are low key. These predictions are less research-based. Not that we don't do research, obviously. Um, but they're a little bit more what's in the heart. Mm-hmm. But I, I was curious about last season for running backs. Because we remember the few guys who were obviously super consistent and, uh, you know, week-to-week studs. But I was curious how many guys actually fit that mode for just one week. And speaking of a guy like Ty Johnson... How many running backs, I'm going to ask this to you here, Dustin, okay? Just put on your thinking cap. That's on. How, how many running backs last year do you suppose had an RB1 finish for a week at least? How many would you guess? 37. You would be woefully under. It was 58. Wow. 58 different running backs had at least one week where they finished as an RB1. I am legitimately so, surprised at that number. Did that not blow your mind? This is where your Boston Scots, your DeAndre Washingtons, your Jonathan Williams, who? <laughs> Jonathan <laughs> Williams had an RB6 finish in a week. So there's always these guys we know that come out of nowhere mm-hmm. to explode for a week. And once again, because replaceability with running backs is real. I'm not saying that they don't matter, so don't get me uh, uh, misconstrued on that. I will never put that hashtag out there. They do matter, but they matter significantly less from a fantasy perspective in terms of replaceability. So that's why all these guys can come in if somebody else gets injured or they just decide, uh, LaShawn McCoy, you're not cutting it, so we're going to we're gonna put you on the bench here. DeAndre, come hop in and split time with Damian. Mm-hmm. You can both crush it for a week. That's how that happens. So there's a long-winded way of saying that my bold prediction for this year is that 80-plus different running backs will have an RB1 week. And this is, as you can guess, very tied to the COVID thing. Oh, absolutely. I could see that happening. Considering there's that many last season, uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. I mean, 80 is still a very high number, but... It's also within the realm of possibility. It really is, like you said, based on with COVID and, and everything else that's going on, players opting out, things like that. So, yeah, I, when I saw that on the show sheet, I was like, oh, that's just absolutely ridiculous. He's just throwing garbage on the show sheet now. No, that's actually not. I, I have been proven wrong. I understand why you would think that, to be fair. Because most of the times when you see the show sheet, you're probably like, this fucking guy just puts garbage on here as placeholders. <laughs> um, but in this case, especially, that seems outlandish. And But that's the thing. is like, if you consider how many stud running backs might opt out to start. So take them mm-hmm. off the plate. Well, now you've got guys who are not as solidified to have an RB1 week consistently, you know, throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So you're already taking that into account, but then just the sheer amount of quarantine. I've talked on the show a bit about how this think it would be wise for them to not have as many guys, as many running backs split time because they will inevitably, probably, unfortunately, have mm-hmm. to deal with COVID. And so it's just going to be next guy up who is fresh and ready to go. And it, it can happen. I thought about putting 100 I really thought about putting a hundred. Well, no, that would just be ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I couldn't do it. So uh, 80 it is. All right. Well, I like that. So my running back goal prediction for this season is Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins will both finish as top 24 running backs. I don't, I don't know what to say to you. Do you like it? Don't like it? Come on. The silence is deafening. I love Mark Ingram, and you know my well-documented love for Mark Ingram. And my belief is that Mark is going to get the work, and that and that Dobbins is more of a, a next-year play. So mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see where you're going with this. All right, so last year, in 15 games, Mark Ingram had 202 attempts, 1,018 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. Also had 26 receptions, 247 yards and five receiving touchdowns, so 15 total touchdowns. Very good season. So, the players also on the team named Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. 
they combined in 16 weeks for 191 attempts, rushing attempts, for 936 yards and four touchdowns. They also had uh, 15 receptions for 115 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, Gus Edwards had 711 yards and two touchdowns last season. No joke. And while J.K. while J.K. Dobbins is not going to absorb every single one of those carries, I think it shows that with this offense, as with what they are, it's very possible that that can happen. Like I said uh, a little bit earlier, I see Lamar Jackson regressing a little bit in the rushing category with his 176 attempts and 1,200 yards. So I see that regressing slightly. Which will, will should give more rushing attempts to the running backs, and J.K. Dobbins is just too good to be left on the bench for an entire season or not get a significant workload. And again, with COVID this season, it's very likely that that isn't necessarily the highest bar to hit. But there's so much opportunity on this offense that I think it's legitimately a possibility. That. I, I was uh, out until you mentioned Gus Edwards' name, and then you reeled me back in <laughs> because as much as I love Mark Ingram, I also love Gus Edwards. And yes, Edwards was super underrated, I would say, for last year for what he did on the ground. And obviously, mm-hmm. he didn't get any receiving work, but just what he did plowing through was notable and impressive, especially factoring in that Lamar was also running that much. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's impressive. So, factoring that regression, I. I I can dig it. All right. Yeah, yeah. I think I can dig it. <laughs> nice. All right. All right. Watch some receivers. wide receivers. Do it. I'm bringing it back to the pack. Devontae Adams will outscore all other Packers receivers combined for fantasy. So I look. I don't know if you think that this is bold or not. It, it might not be. Um, but last year, Devontae already had more total fantasy points than Geronimo, MVS, and Kumaro combined. Mm-hmm. And he only played in 12 games. So three quarters of the action. Mm-hmm. And he already outscored all of those guys. Now, I think that uh, there's an upgrade at tight end. Personally, I, I don't know. Jimmy Graham truthers, if you're out there, uh, stop. But also just believe that Sternberger is going to be an upgrade, and I think he will absorb more targets and more yardage than Jimmy could. I just think it's, even though I understand that he's ostensibly a rookie, um, I just don't see a world where he underperforms Jimmy Graham from last year. Maybe that's me being too optimistic. I don't know. But factor in Equinemius, St. Brown, who should be returning, who I do like a fair amount. But between him and MBS. Kumaro. Now, Allison left, so ostensibly, Equinemius is that replacement. So it's really just those three guys, uh, and Lazard, obviously, King King Lazard there. I don't see those guys still earning Aaron Rodgers' trust on a consistent enough basis that he is going to make any one of them stand out. The three of them, or four of them, will combine and group to form, like, if you added up all their fantasy stats at the end of next year, I think you would have a very solid wide receiver two, three, maybe, like, between them. Devontae is going to fucking beat. I am so excited for Devontae to just go hog wild. He already had twice as many targets as the next guy in mm-hmm. line last year, who was Aaron Jones, by the way. So, give me a full 16 games of Devontae. Which I think is definitely in the realm of possibility because I, I don't project his issues last year to carry over. Um, and his touchdown marks were super low. He only had five last year. He's hit double digits every single year prior going back to 2016. So I expect that to come back up. Like you were talking about, I think, less dump-offs to Aaron Jones mm-hmm. for those touchdowns. I think those go to Devontae for the, the biggest part. So I'm very excited to see that because it's just going to be the Devontae show. He's my wide receiver one, I think, now. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up as the wide receiver one on the season. Not at all. In fact, as a Packer fan, I would absolutely love it. But, uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me just because he really is, well, he's an elite talent and he is the only real 
wide receiver on the roster, especially now that Funchess has opted out for the season. Oh, yes, of course. It was all going <laughs> to fall on the shoulder of the Everything was going to be fine. And he was going to be a, a fantasy wide receiver, too. That's right. All right. Hit us up with your wide receiver take. All right. So mine hurts my heart. It literally hurts my heart because I am all about this player. He's one of my guys. I've been on the hype train ever since he came in. I've loved everything he did. Cooper Cup is going to finish as a wide receiver three. Not the wide receiver three, a wide receiver three. Wow. Yes. Wowie wow. So, let me lay it out for you. Let me lay it out so we can play it out, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody said that before, I'm sure of it. Snoop Dogg, Starsky and Hutch. So... Uh, don't don't relish your Snoop Dogg reference for so long. <laughs> I can't help it. All right, so early on in the season, Cooper Cup was well over 90% of the offensive snap share. So on the field, over 90% of the snaps pretty much every week, week in and week out. Uh, he had his little injury there uh, where he was banged up, wasn't on the field nearly as much. But then once he got healthy again towards the end of the season, he only was over 90% one time in the last five weeks of the season. All those other weeks, he only cracked 73% one time. So that also correlates with them kind of shifting their offensive game strategy where they're going more two tight ends. So in the games where, and I don't have how many games this actually was, it was a fair number, though. The games where he had two tight ends, he only had 11 receptions for 114 yards, but with one or zero tight ends on the field, he had 82 receptions for over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. So when there's two touchdown, two touchdowns on the field, <laughs> two tight ends on the field, he gets moved from his natural position in the slot, where maybe you're not facing the number one or number two cornerback on the team, you know, you could be getting a linebacker, you could be getting that that nickel or dime cornerback, maybe a safety coming up at the, to uh, cover him. When, when he's out of his natural slot position, he's facing better competition. And I'm not saying that he's a bad football player by any means, but I think he's seen stiffer competition and he's not able to maybe find the zones quite as easy or or. Um, get off that man coverage quite as easy when he, when he's out, you know, playing that that outside Z position rather than the, the slot position. And then plus, and then plus on top of it, there's just so much young good talent in the league right now that some of those players are just going to ball out. So it's just naturally going to push him down a bit. And let's be honest, B Dubs is the number one wide receiver on the team. So thank you. <laughs> so he's going to get his. Like I legitimately. I love Mr. B-Dubs. He is one of my guys. I love him. And those are the reasons why Cooper Cup is going to be a wide receiver three this season. Let's just sit here and linger and acknowledge uh, about the fact that Robert Woods is such a stud. Can we just sit and soak in that fact? Uh, you had me at Robert Woods, which you which you left until the very end. Um well, of course. So you had me. You had me at the very end. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, let's talk tight ends. Let's. I lied before when I said that quarterback was the hardest to come up with. I think initially I thought it was going to be the hardest to come up with tight end. I've sat and I've typed in three or four different things into this slot, and I've alternated between the fact that they are either stupid and weight and hot taking, or they're just not bold enough. I think that I found a common ground here, finally. Hmm. I think. Which is that four tight ends will post a thousand yard seasons this year. All right. I like that. This has not happened um, in in a, a very long time. I've been going back year through year through year through year trying to find when that happened. And so far I've gotten to 2013 and, and it's not there. Um so I'm going to say that this year is where that breaks. We've already got, I think, the locks for this, which is your Travis Kelsey and your George Kittle. Can we both agree? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yards, 
Obvious. Yeah, obviously. That would not be a bold prediction. <laughs> that would be the opposite of a bold prediction, which would be uh, an italicized prediction. I don't even know what that would be, because we don't have to talk about it. But I'm of the mindset that Zach Ertz could easily finish as the tight end one this year, and I wouldn't be surprised in fantasy. I'm not calling for that to happen, but I would not be shocked at all based on the situation that's happening there in Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all very strange. Um, not not that you really put too much stock in this guy, but Marquise Goodwin already opted out for the year. Zach mm-hmm. Ertz has done nothing but just fucking ball year over year for this for this team, but he has not done it um, flashily. He's not been a showman about it, certainly. Um, he's kind of been a little bit more, I hope this isn't a pejorative, but he's a little bit more Jason Witten-like in the way that he gets his high finishes. Can we also agree on that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So the Dallas Goddard thing, I'm still personally nervous for Dallas Goddard with the whole sucker punch instance at the bar a couple months back. And there was, there was, there was serious talk about concussions and stuff. And, and that's never anything to take lightly. Um, because that could absolutely knock him out, sorry for the poor wording there, of uh, of contention at any point. Mm-hmm. I think Zach Ertz is that guy to get the 1,000 yards. He, he was very close last year. Now, granted, a lot of that was due to the lack of options, but I'm still nervous for their receiving options. I don't care how many draft picks they had, because we're talking about these rookies, again, with the COVID short and off season. I'm not expecting them to light the world on fire. I think they'll be better overall mm-hmm. than last year. But I also think Ertz will be better overall than he was last year, and a little bit more efficient than he was last year as well. So I think that's my number three. Okay. But so- number four is a little bit up for debate. Your guy, who I won't I won't call out here because I want you to do the, the grand reveal, stands a chance. Stands an honest chance of being this guy who does it. I think there are other guys. We'll see if the listeners can get this in process of elimination, I guess. But there are other guys who could do it. Like Noah Fant, I think, has an honest chance to do it. I think even uh, a Hayden Hurst could potentially pull it off in Atlanta. I love Atlanta. I cannot stop talking about how great Atlanta's going to be this year. Mark Andrews is a fairly obvious guy. I was going to say, that was one of the obvious ones I was waiting for. A healthy Evan Ingram, which I know is a lot. That's a lot to ask for. He's on that Jordan Reed path mm-hmm. of, of kind of a, a one-hit wonder type of situation. But imagine, if you will, a healthy Evan Ingram for 16 games or even 14 games mm-hmm. on, on even it. Right? Yeah. Um, so there are these guys out there, and there are a couple of sneakier plays that can bump up there. I just think that due to the situation, like, again, if wide receivers go down and quarterbacks have to pivot towards tight end, and obviously this could go the other way too, tight ends could go down, of course. But if they don't, line me up for 4,000-yard guys. Right. I like that. That would be uh, fun to see, actually. I would enjoy that. So here's hoping. All right, so the one tight end that you did not mention, and if anyone that has listened to the show should already know who I'm talking about here, because, uh, spoiler alert, he's going to be my drinking buddy for tight end for this year. Oh, shit! Oh, what yeah. I know. It's Janu Smith. And my old prediction for Janu is he will finish in the top four as far as tight ends for this season. Oh, come on. Top four. I mean, you, you said he could finish with over 1,000 yards, which would put him at that number four position. So, he is the number two receiving option on the team behind A.J. Brown. Don't give me any of that crap about Corey Davis. He is not the number two <laughs> receiving option on that team. I don't want to hear it, and I, will, or I refuse to listen. So, he is the number two option on the team. He's going into his third year. Traditionally, tight ends take a few years to really acclimate to the league and, and get going. Delaney Walker is finally gone. He he literally took his walker and left town. And I'll, I'll clap that. Then. Yeah, okay. And, and, I'll give you that. And, and, thank you. And here is where he is going to make up the difference to finish as the tight end four. He only had three touchdowns last season. I've got him projected for seven. And, and those added points is what's going to push him up over the edge. I, every year he's been in the league, he's he's increased his receptions, target share, uh, yards. The touchdowns have been on a little on the low side, but I think that's going to change this year. So those are the reasons why he's going to finish in the top four this season. Look, I don't, I don't hate that. 
because as as I posted my initial rankings out into the world, I had Johnny with tight end seven. And I thought that that was very reasonable. That was not bold at all. I, in, in my eyes, I thought that was super reasonable. Mm-hmm. Some folks came out of the woodwork to say that it was a little bold. And so I'm sure, by extension, yours is going to prove to be, you know, too hot to handle for the world. But when you look at the guys who are behind the top three and a half, like I'll I would put, say top four. You I, know, I, he, yeah, but he of all those guys that's in that next tier to me, just has the obvious opportunity. Because like you said, remember Delaney? Does nobody remember Delaney? And he was not an athletic man no. at his later ages. But he constantly produced every single year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I won't say any more about Johnny. I'll save it for our, our Drinking Buddies episode. Because there's so much more I can say about him. I don't want to blow my load right now. I want to save it for that night. So I won't say any more. Am I hearing that you are officially splitting your load up between uh, tonight and that night? That's right. We are getting half loads, people. That's we are right. only getting half <laughs> loads. I apologize. Cover your eyes. Um, we have had some uh, some chat action on the side here. Uh, listeners who can't see this. Um, ZK over in the side here is talking about no Drew Locke bold takes. Do you have Do you have anything bold to offer about Drew? No, I don't because we've we've talked about him way too much already this off season, and we already have a beer bet on it. So, well, you okay, have, I, I have a beer bet. It. Sorry, I I will rephrase. I have a beer bet on it with with our friend Michael from the Dynasty Rewind podcast. That I don't think he's going to finish in the top fifteen. So. Yeah, don't let me into that shit, all right? That is your <laughs> I will not be taking a beer on your behalf for that bet. I'm telling you right now. Well, you're not going to have to uh, because I'm going to win this one. I don't understand the hype for Drew Locke. I really don't. I understand the weapons. Love the weapons. Don't get me wrong. Love the weapons that's there. I just don't like what I saw last year out of him. He, he only threw for over 250 yards like once in his five starts. I mean, that's not good. No, but again, like, don't expect to him to just get shoved into the offense and produce like Mahomes, obviously. But it was so it was it was so middling that it was almost offensive just in terms of like how he actually performed with it. So I just don't I just don't think that that's that high up. He top to finish the top half in the league. I just he might get close to that. I'm not saying he's going to be awful and at the very bottom of the league. Don't get me wrong. I just don't understand all the hype that all of a sudden he's going to catapult into this number one quarterback for the you know top twelve quarterback for the for the year. I just I just don't see it. That's, no, I, I I don't either. Honestly, I know it's giving you shit about the beer bet, but like I am <laughs> I am so not on board with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am more of the frame of mind that he could easily be a guy who finishes outside the top twenty, and like I wouldn't bat an eye at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sam here. Um, and so expecting him to, yeah, come in as a QB1. Uh, and maybe that's bold of us to be saying that he could finish that low, I suppose. Maybe. But I think his kind of bears that out because I think he is QB22 in that range. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's basically where I'd have him. Um, there's just too many other guys that would come in and dethrone him. We have a few minutes here. I am curious about tangentially related to Drew Locke, Jerry Judy. Mm hmm. So obviously, still, still tons of hype on Judy from mm-hmm. what I've seen. There's nobody really backing off from him, even considering all the circumstances and the weirdness from this offseason. Mm-hmm. So, Jerry Judy, give me a percentage of the chance that you think he could finish as a wide receiver two, top 24 guy. 20%? That's low. Yeah, yeah I, that's really low. I, I just, it, it's hard on any given season for offenses to support two wide receivers that are within the top 24 on any given season. Everybody loves Cortland Sutton. They think he's going to do wonderful things. And with Jerry Judy being a rookie this year, and again, talking Drew Locke, it's only going into his second season. Just to digress for two seconds, I'm not saying that Drew Locke isn't ever going to be a top 12 quarterback. I think he could have that in him. I would need to see a lot this coming season, him taking a step forward uh, to have him put there, but with all the weapons around him and everything and, and a lot of young talent on that offense, for them to grow into that, I think is a definite possibility. Uh, and that you know includes Jerry Judy taking that jump up uh, to be a top 24 wide receiver. 
you know, are they going to model themselves more after Kansas City? It sure seems like it with the talent they brought in, drafting all the wide receivers, you bring in Melvin Gordon. You know, are they going to be a more high-flying offense? Maybe. But I don't know. Hard to say. It's it's dicey. It's dicey at best, I think. I do want to cut in. We rarely get a chance to do like a breaking news-ish thing here. Uh, and this broke really when we probably started on air. I just didn't pay attention to it. Kenny Galladay was placed on the COVID reserve list. So that means um, basically that he came into contact with somebody who tested positive. It, it doesn't mean that he's opting out or he's not going to start the year. Um, but just something to keep in mind. As he is a top 10, oh, yeah. fairly mm-hmm. in ADP, right? Like, guaranteed. So, if you're drafting right now, I guess, is just be cautious about Kenny Galladay until we get a little bit more news. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that would really do, go a long way towards your bold prediction of Kirk Cousins surpassing that stuff. Yeah, there you go. No, he, assuming he doesn't contract COVID, you know, this is just a precautionary measure. You know, he'll be ready for the start of the season. There there shouldn't be any issues. Again, assuming he's not actually sick or, or come down with it. So uh, until I hear differently, I'm not going to be overly concerned about this news. Just something to monitor. Don't panic sell. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, anything else that you have? No, I've got nothing else. I, I'm feeling good about these bold predictions. It's a little warm in my okay. little warm in here. Some of them got a little spicy, and I, but I love it. Yeah, I can, I can see the steam billowing up. Uh, through your shirt there. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's so hot. It's so hot, uh, but not hot takes. Again, let's no. clarify. These were not hot takes, goddammit. Don't you call them such? If I see them called such out in the world, I will say nothing about it, but I'll shake my head probably to myself, and maybe I'll text you. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. All right. All right. So that will end it for this week. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Subscribe to us here on uh, our YouTube channel. You can find us, Drinking drinking and Talking Fantasy Football on YouTube. Subscribe. You'll get notifications when we go live. As always, find us on Twitter, at Drinking Fantasy. We'd love to get your DMs. We'll answer any questions for you. If we get enough questions, perhaps we could have a mailbag episode coming up here, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So send us your uh, questions. We'll answer them on air for you. You can find me at FFDustyDog on Twitter. You can find me at Jake Trowbridge, which, by the way, is where you should be sending your drunk trades because we're running a little bit low. And God damn it, that's my favorite part of the show. So I Absolutely. will not be now. I will come knock on your doors to find some otherwise. So please yes. submit them. Yes, please submit drunk trades. We love hearing about them. And I'm sure everybody else out there in the universe loves hearing about them as well. Because let's be honest, we've all made a drunk trade or two in our day. And, and misery loves company. So. <laughs> That'll do it for this week, folks. And until next week, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers.